Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. What a great morning, and what a great, really, uh, intro for us from the treehouse. A little bit about what we're going to be talking about this morning. And it's, the, the skids are really greased, I could say. We've uh, been talking about what we just heard there from the treehouse from the beginning of the year. We started talking about obedience and the commands of Jesus before uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. He gave the Great Commission. We opened the year talking about the Great Commission. There's that portion in the Great Commission where Jesus said, teach them to obey. And that's a, a real meat of the Great Commission. Teach them to obey. Not just teach them my commands, but teach them to obey. So we have to uh, take them in and obey what Jesus said. And then we talked about Jesus on the night before he was arrested. And it was John chapter 15. He's saying goodbye to his closest friends. When we think about those last words of Jesus, they should really be important to us. And he said, uh, if you do what I command, you remain in my love. If you do what I command, I call you my friends. So this idea of the commands were still there, and then Jesus said, this is my command, that you love one another. Love like Jesus. Live like Jesus. Kind of boiled it down to that, but you know, that's, that's really just a platitude. I said we could put it on a bumper sticker and... Yeah, it really looks great, but what does it really mean unless we put it into practice? And that's that idea of application that we heard about from the treehouse in the the lesson for the kids. Application, applying his commands, and we want to take time to do that, to really look into what Jesus said and apply it to our life. So we've called it Life Apps. And I, I think if... If Jesus were around today, maybe he'd have a few apps for us to take advantage of. So this morning we begin at the beginning of Christian life. And that's the command to repent. And it's a command. A little background. The last book of the Old Testament, it's the prophet Malachi. And we were there in the book of Malachi at the end of last year, leading into Christmas. Malachi the prophet He prophesied this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I will send the prophet Elijah to you. This was Malachi's prophecy. Well, they were fulfilled. Those prophecies were fulfilled. They were fulfilled in a man named John the Baptist. Well, his name was John, but they called him John the Baptist. And Jesus confirmed that. Jesus confirmed that That prophecy was fulfilled because he said that John the Baptist, that that man over there, he's the one about whom it's written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Jesus said that. 
pointing to John. And he said, and if you could really take it in, he is the Elijah who was to come. All four gospel writers give accounts of this man, John the Baptist, and his ministry, which was to baptize. But what was it to baptize for? For repentance. Now let's read about that. John's baptism and his ministry from the Gospel of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. And it reads this way. But when he, John the Baptist, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John was doing his Malachi prophesied. He was preparing the way for Jesus, and he called for repentance. And then he added, produce fruit. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Now many came to learn from John and follow him and really appreciate his ministry, but not everyone. The king at the time, or the king over the region, he was called a tetrarch. He had uh, power over, uh, they gave him a quarter, a fourth. He was called Herod Antipas. And he didn't really like John. And he imprisoned John. And when Jesus had heard of this imprisonment, Jesus left his hometown of Nazareth. And he went north. He went north to a city called Capernaum. It was by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Jesus began to call people to follow him. And Jesus, he picked up where John left off. John was in prison. Jesus begins his ministry. And what does it say in all of the Gospels? I give you an an example from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. John preached repent, Jesus preached repent. We have talked about repentance often here. Why? It's foundational. It's it's the beginning to coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And what is it? What is repentance? Well, a simple definition is what we saw in the video. It's turning around, changing your direction. The Hebrew words in the Old Testament and the Greek terms in the New Testament that translate to our English repent or repentance, they share the same basic concept, the same basic idea of turning around, going a new direction. And then beyond that basic, these words have some deeper connotations, connotations of regret and grieving and heartfelt regret, expressing godly sorrow. The Greek terms are a little bit different. The Hebrew ones 
have some more of this emotion. The Greek terms speak a little more to the consciousness of mind, a change of mind, thinking to a new direction. So repentance can be summed up as a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. And it's not optional. Jesus commanded it. Jesus came preaching, repent. All the gospels give accounts of that. Turn around. It's not optional. Turn away from sin. And why is that? Because sin is death. It's death. Life, true life, eternal life, the only true, true life, that's found in God. And that's not small G-O-D, that's capital G-O-D, the God, the creator God, the one whom we sung about earlier, the blessed Trinity, God in three persons, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that God, that's the only life-giving, life-sustaining God. And sin broke the connection to God. It broke the connection to life. We have all sinned. And when we sin, we don't simply hurt ourselves or hurt others. We offend God. So repentance, it's this It's an eye-opening experience. It's an awakening of sorts where sin is now exposed. The, The children's video pictured it as this pit of muck. And that's a great way to look at it. Coming to repentance brings us to this awakening that sin is that bad. And we see it the way God sees it. And it's a personal insult It's an affront to God. And of course that causes separation. Repentance, it's the realization that we not only commit sin, but that we're sinful. We're sinful. And our human nature does not like that. No, no, we don't wanna wanna hear that. Human nature says, no, no, don't please. Get off my back, really, stop that. I'm not sinful. Yeah, well, I might not be perfect. You know, from time to time, maybe I mess up. But really, I'm good. I'm really good. I'm not a sinner. Well, maybe that guy over there is a sinner or that person over there, but not me. That's that's human nature. We look at others. And if we see something bad happens to them, They have some misfortune. Sometimes the thought is, well, what did they do to deserve that? Well, they must have done something. They must have sinned. And that's how the Jewish faith at the time of Christ, that's how they really looked at a lot of misfortune in life. It was because you sinned. In John chapter 9, there's an account of a blind man. And Jesus' disciples asked him, is this blind man... Uh, blind because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus answered, neither. He's not blind because of any sin. But that's the way they were looking. And when bad things happen, it's not always because of some judgment on someone's life because of sin. 
And it might not be that uh, we were spared from trouble because we're better. But that's the way our human nature is. We like, to, we like to think that. Well, it's not happening to me, so I must be better. I'm not that sinner. But Jesus said, we're all sinners. Everyone must repent. And he gave an example because this came up about people who suffered and people who didn't. And that's in Luke's gospel. And I want us to consider this passage from Luke chapter 13. It's about this idea of judging people because of their misfortune. In Luke 13 verses 1 to 5, Jesus has been teaching a crowd of people. And it says this, Now there were some present in this crowd at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. So what's he saying? Don't look at somebody else's misfortune or trouble and make a judgment about their life. We're all guilty. This is what Jesus said. Unless you all repent, you too will perish. It kind of goes back to John's words about being thrown in the fire. So realize you not only commit a sin from time to time, but that we're sinful. And we're in need of this inside-out change. God is right. We're the wrong ones. Therefore, repent. And then life begins. Then life begins. And it, it's not instantaneous. It's an ongoing life of keeping with repentance. I said this last week. Salvation's not a one-time experience. Followed by, hey, I'm just going to go back to Life as it was. I'll just go keep on living uh, with reckless abandon. No. Salvation isn't that. Salvation isn't just a, a sinner's prayer and then back to business as usual. It doesn't consist in this, this idea of an initial repentance experience alone. No, we must understand. We must understand that salvation has not only a past, this meaning uh, in the past where we've come to repentance and turned our life to Jesus Christ. We've received the forgiveness of sins when we repent and we confess. But there's a present application and there's a future application in becoming more Christ-like. It's ongoing to move more toward Christ, Christ-likeness. And that requires Keeping with repentance. Acknowledging our constant need of the Lord to remain turned away from sin in a daily practical way. John the Baptist put it this way, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And what does that really mean? Think, think about this example. Think of it this way. That repentance is like any other commitment. It has to be kept. 
If you commit something, your intention is to keep that commitment. Take marriage, for example. When, when two people are married, they make promises, they make vows. And as they stand before an audience, and Almighty God, their intention is to keep those promises, to keep those vows. And if they do so, there's fruit. There's fruit into keeping those vows. And what, what might that fruit be? Well, they're not running off with someone else. They're not lusting after another person. They're not neglecting their family. So in a positive sense, they're devoted, they're loyal, they're faithful, they're raising family. That's the fruit in keeping that commitment, keeping vows. And when the fruit isn't there, what's going to happen to that marriage? Well, it's susceptible to failure. That marriage may die. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance then, John said. And John went on. If there's no fruit, no fruit of repentance or bad fruit, the axe is at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce fruit, it's going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. The tree dies. Like a marriage where commitment's not kept, repentance not kept, the tree dies. So it shouldn't be surprising to us. As Jesus talked about these Galileans who had been executed and Pilate mixed their blood with the sacrifice, or those who just died in a freak accident. A tower in Jerusalem fell on them. And Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will perish. We shouldn't be surprised that the very next verse, he begins a parable about trees. And this is what he said. We continue on in Luke 13. This is verses 6 through 9. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So we have a parable here. And a parable gives, gives us images of reality. There's an owner of the vineyard. He was there ready to cut down a tree. But the caretaker steps in and, and he says, don't do it, I'll take care of it. Give it some time, give, give it a year. What do these images in the parable represent? Well, the vineyard here, it represents the kingdom of God. We can go back to the Old Testament. This is a, this is a familiar image, it'd be familiar to Jesus' audience. And to us, the kingdom is the church. It's the church here on earth. And then there's the owner of the vineyard. Well, that's God. That's God the Father. There's the caretaker of the vineyard, Jesus. Jesus is the, the caretaker. And then there's a tree. What's the tree? Well, the tree's a believer in the kingdom. But where's the fruit? 
The owner's looking. There's no fruit. Fruit's expected. There's a tree representing a believer, one who's repented. But there's no evidence of this. And fruit's the evidence. Fruit is the evidence of some maturity, some growth in keeping with repentance, not abandoning repentance. But what does this fruit mean practically? I mean, we can picture fruit. It's, it's an apple, an orange, whatever you want to uh, pick in your mind, whatever fruit tree. Jesus called this, this was a fig tree. There's no figs. But what does that mean? What does that mean practically? And that's a good question. When John the Baptist said, produce fruit, the axe is at the root of this fruitless tree, people ask the same question. What is it? What do we do? And Luke's gospel gives us details on that because he gives the same account Matthew did, the axe is at the root. But he gave us some more details. Luke 3, 10 to 14. Here's, here's the questions and the answer. John has just said, the axe is at the root. And verse 10 says, well, what should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? Jesus replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Well, now there's some application. There's this fruit that's coming into reality. John looked at the people and he spoke to where they were most vulnerable. To, to the people in general, he, he's saying, don't be stingy. Share what you have. You have two shirts, share one. You have, you have some food, share it. To the tax collector, he said, don't cheat. That's where they were vulnerable. To the soldier, he said, don't, ab don't abuse your power and your authority. Don't lord it over people. Don't extort from them. If Jesus had a real repentance app, I think it might remind us of our vulnerabilities. What's your soft spot? You know your soft spot? I know my soft spots. And those are the areas we're likely going to be tested. These areas where we're most vulnerable, where we struggle the most. You know, for the tax collector taking too much, the soldier abusing his power. Paul the apostle, he admitted struggling with pride, bragging about his spiritual experiences. We all have soft areas. Pride, envy, lust, gossiping, talking about others. Where are you most vulnerable? It's probably where we're going to be put to the test. I think most of us are likely aware of those things. But we might need to look at ourselves and remind ourselves. Do a, a self-inspection, if you will. Now, don't wait for the owner of the vineyard. The owner of the vineyard in Jesus' parable was coming to do an inspection of the tree. Where's the fruit? How about we look at ourselves and inspect right now? Look for the fruit. Where's the fruit? Know your soft spot. Is, is it getting firmer? 
Is it getting taken care of? Well, that's not really what we want to do. That's not our human nature. Instead, we're prone to look at others. Oh, I can point out faults in other people. That's pretty easy. But looking in the mirror and pointing at my own, a little bit harder. It's easy to look at someone else and examine them and point out their faults. But remember the words of Jesus. Do you think you're, do you think they're any more guilty? No, no. We know our soft spots. Look into them. Do, do an in self-inspection and self-inspect yourself and see those areas of vulnerability. And, and then when you're tested, when you're tested and you know them and you don't fall because of them, celebrate that. That's okay. It's okay to celebrate a victory. I was uh, speaking with someone just recently about uh, an issue they had with an insurance company. And you know what it's like to call your insurance company. First, it's 15 minutes on the phone pushing buttons. And then, you know, probably hanging up and, oh, it was 157. And, you know, getting it all figured out. And then finally you get a person. And in this instance... When uh, this person finally was talking to a human being, it got intense because there was this issue that was needed to be resolved. But what was said to me was this. If that happened to me years ago, it would have ended very differently and not in a good way. But this person stayed the course and was smiling about that. And it's okay to do that. It's, it's okay to celebrate that, hey, I, I, I didn't fall to that area where I may have been vulnerable. You make that inspection perhaps before you make the call if that's an area where you're vulnerable. You might do that. If you know, oh, leading into this, oh, man, I usually, I, this, is a, this is an area where I might just lose it. Take a minute beforehand. Pray for strength. Ask God for some wisdom. Patience. Pray for what you need to keep, to keep your repentance. Another person I talked with, this was a while ago, had uh, been dealing with doctors, uh, physical things, and uh, having to have procedures, and doctors were saying one thing, and then another, and and in this one uh, meeting with the doctor, all the schedules were being modified. Oh, you can't come on that day that we first scheduled you. Well, you have to make an appointment on a different day and a different time. And again, I heard this. It's a good thing. I know that God's got me. You know what? Before I had Jesus in my life, I wasn't very nice. And I would have let that doctor have it. But he didn't. And he was celebrating that. And we can celebrate the, this fruit in our life. And in a situation like that, we might not have any forewarning. We just walk into it and then... And that's a harder test, no doubt. But we can still prepare. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the last day of his life here before he was crucified. He was with his friends and he said, stay awake, watch and pray 
that you do not fall into temptation. Well, we can make that a daily prayer. We could start our day with a prayer like that. God, help me if I'm, if, if, if I'm gonna fall into a test. Keep me from temptation. We don't know what the next moment holds. We don't know what's coming in any given day. Be alert, be awake, pray. Lord, help me. Help me where I'm most vulnerable. God, I need it that I don't fall into temptation. So know those soft spots. Look at yourself. Examine yourself. Do do a self-inspection. You can celebrate a victory. But if you fail, if we fall short, if we miss the mark, if we sin, own it. Admit it. And repent. And then it seems like we've just come full circle. But there's a difference. There's a difference between initially coming to Christ and repenting and and realizing we're sinful and needing to alter our direction entirely. There's a difference between that and then the ongoing keeping with it and falling short from time to time or on occasion and needing to, Lord, I need to repent of that specific sin that I did, that that failure that uh, that I just did right before your eyes. In the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, Jesus has messages for seven churches. These are churches. These aren't, this isn't the world. This is messages to churches. Pergamum, Thyatira, churches. Ephesus, he begins. To four of those churches, four specifically, where Jesus pointed out issues, he plainly said, repent. So this is believers who have had that experience of repenting, coming to Christ, and yet there's still this need. Here's just one example from that book of Revelation. It's to the lukewarm in the church of Laodicea. And Jesus said, Revelation 3.19, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Keep it going. Keep your repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And it means acknowledging our our constant need of the Lord. Jesus, this great caretaker who rebukes and disciplines out of love to help us remain turned away from our sin in, in our daily lives. He paid the price for forgiveness. That's true, absolutely. He went to the cross and he paid the price And if we've received that in our life, we might still fall short in sin. And he says, repent. And the hardest thing about it is then keeping it. The hardest thing about turning around is staying turned around. And I think that Jesus realized that. And when he was asked, how many times How many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter asked him that. Not seven, Jesus said. No, if your brother sins against you and he repents, forgive him 70 times seven. So Jesus realized it it, it might be difficult. We have these areas of struggle. You're repenting in the moment. I can do that. 
I can do it. Yeah, I repent. But staying the course, staying the course, that's a little more difficult. But that's bearing fruit. That's what bearing fruit is all about. And that's why I, the image is fruit. It's not instantaneous. Who has a fruit tree or any kind of plant that bears fruit that you just plop the seed in and you have fruit the next day? No, fruit takes time to develop. It's not instantaneous. It's not always easy. I'm sure we've all questioned, you know, at one time or another, is this what Jesus really intended? Life's difficult. You know, the broken hopes, the the broken hearts, illnesses, trauma, stress, issues, broken families, lost loved ones, all of it. Well, that's not fruit. That's life. But through it all, are we producing? Are we producing? Can we say that we'll bear fruit regardless of what the day might hold? I want to close with this illustration. I just saw this two days ago, an article. So it's not like I had this stored up for this message. And it really, uh, it really surprised me and I'm glad I, I read to the very last line of this article. The, uh, the headline is, Minister carjacked and beaten, stolen van had food for the needy. So I read about this. It was in St. Clair Shores, this uh, man named Derek Hill. He's known in St. Clair Shores community as a good Samaritan. So it's local, it's our community. He has a mobile ministry that for the last six years has offered frequent food donations to the less fortunate. One night earlier this week, he pulled to the side of Gratiot Avenue near 13 Mile Road to help a stranded woman whose car appeared to be overheating. Mr. Hill said, I started to ask, do you need help? And they got me by the element of surprise. Because they misdirected me, they had me looking to the right and they attacked me from the left. So as he was looking to the right, someone opened his door on the left side and really just began to pummel this guy. Two, two men pulled him out and beat him. Uh, he says, I got a concussion. I got six stitches on my forehead. He's got two black eyes, torn up back. They had a picture of this guy. He was, he was beat pretty bad. Moments later, the three people were gone. The woman had jumped into his van full of groceries to be delivered to the needy the following morning and $200 in cash. That's a pretty bad experience, isn't it? You're out to do some good. And that happens. But this guy has, I think, the fruit of repentance. What did, what did John say just to the general people? Hey, if you have some things, share it. So that's all he, all he was doing was sharing. Part of the... Part of the article says, I love feeding people. I love feeding the homeless. That's what this man's, that's what his heart was. Well, they asked him, what would you do? What, what would you want for these who beat you and stole your van and took your money? And this is the last line of the article, and I'm glad I read to the end. Mr. Hill said, well, I would tell my attackers, repent and give yourself to Jesus and start a new life. Now that's some fruit, I thought. Not calling for vengeance. 
He's calling for them to get saved. That's, that's a great example. Is your tree bearing fruit? And if you can't answer with certainty, submit to the caretaker. Submit to Jesus. He's the caretaker of the vineyard. He's the son of God. He's the son of the owner of the whole vineyard. He's expecting fruit. The owner's expecting fruit, but Jesus, he offers patience. He wants to nurture, fertilize with discipline, with love. So what does he say? Be earnest. Be earnest at Revelation 3. Be earnest. And repent if you need to. Let's stand and close and invite God into our hearts if we need that. If you've never repented, if you've never really seen that Jesus Christ is this great caretaker, if you've never saw yourself as, as, as sinful, you're going to turn your life over to him right now. And, and for those of us who've done, and maybe we have a vulnerability, an area we struggle, he's patient. He's long-suffering. Let's, let's give that to him and ask him to help us. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful for your loving kindness and your tender mercies and your patience and your love toward us that would say, I'm giving you time to develop. Thank you for that, God. We don't want to be that tree that's cut down. We want to be that tree that bears fruit. Help us, God. Any, anyone in this room that has a, an area where they know I'm soft, I'm soft, it's tough for me, it's tough for me to keep that. God, I pray that you'd help us. I I pray that you'd help that person that's earnest before you right now, saying, I need help or repenting from a a, a sin maybe they committed even this morning to say, God, help me with that. Help me to turn totally and stay totally keeping, keeping, keeping repentance. Thank you, God. Thank you. We trust you. We know your word says if we confess You're faithful to forgive us. We're grateful for that. And we ask for your help that we continue walking in that right direction. And God, if there's anyone, anyone here, anyone who's online, who's never offered their life, they're going their own way, they're going the wrong way. God, I pray that that realization, that awakening would occur. That they would see that offense against God and turn and not want to offend their creator but turn and give their life to the Savior who paid price for forgiveness. God, I pray that there's, there's some that are doing that even right now. Be gracious unto them. Receive that sincere repentance, God, and help them walk in it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We give the rest of the day to you. I ask your blessing upon all your people. Help us this week. God, if we, if we experience anything close to this man, help us to have that same attitude, God. To not only not seek vengeance, but to ask and to desire that others would have the same salvation we have. God, help us in that. Bless all who are here with such strength. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.